Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was so cool. I think you're so talented. Social media is only positive with Zigazoo, the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. In Zigazoo, all community members are verified kids like yours, and all content is fully human moderated. Try out Zigazoo this spring break. Download the Zigazoo app today. With the new Dexcom G7, you can achieve better diabetes results without painful finger sticks. It sends your glucose numbers to your compatible phone or watch so you can always see where you are and where you're heading. See how food and exercise affects your glucose, making it easier to spend more time in range and lower your A1C. Take more control of your diabetes with the number one recommended CGM brand. It's easy to get started today at Dexcom.com. That's Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com slash compatibility. Saturdays are for sunshine, especially for your ears. With another election, ongoing wars, and natural disasters, we know the news can be a lot to take in. And we're determined to share the bright side of humanity. Every Saturday, take a breather from the headlines and hear all the uplifting happenings across the world with five good things. A new weekend edition of CNN Five Things. That means you can find this goodness in the same feed as Five Things. Listen to Five Good Things on the iHeartRadio app. Billie Eilish and Phineas O'Connell, they're with us today on Crew Call. I'm your host, Anthony DeLisandra. Billie's vocals, it was automatic art. You know, I had to like choose a more challenging route than just like da 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 da. You know what I'm saying? Like it could have been like easier. And a lot of people have asked me, like, how did you choose to have it be so soft and like so simple? And what else was it going to like? That's what the song wanted. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Crew Call podcast on Deadline. Welcome into the program. This is The Nuts. I'm Mike Palm, and he's a Mall Shaw. Big Friday program. We don't have JVT today, but we have George Sedano from ESPN to discuss the NBA. That's coming up in about 10 minutes. And speaking of the NBA, Amal, when will Coach Budenholzer tell Giannis to quit shooting threes? It's unbelievable. This guy's 3 for 16 in the postseason. Horrendous last night. He was terrific inside the arc, and his inability to shoot the three-point shot, Mike, 30.3% of the season. I went through the stats in the NBA last night. 151 players were better than him from the three-point arc. That's all? I would have went over that number. I would have probably, too. But I, I don't get it. It's the biggest game of the year for them. It's yeah. a must-win at home if they have any chance in this series against the Nets. And no adjustment is made. He just keeps letting them hoist them. I mean, I don't know if I'm encouraged or discouraged from this performance from the Bucks. Yeah, you know, to your point on Giannis, uh, so far this year, 4 for 32 in the postseason. Career-wise, he's only uh, a 28.7. He's got to stop doing it. If you are Milwaukee, you've got to keep working inside. Take advantage of what you have there. I think it's a great opportunity for them to be able to seize uh, some potential control in the series. I feel like when you look at the shooting percentages, it's going to be tough for Milwaukee in this series because they had an opportunity. Giannis shooting the ball particularly well outside um, inside the perimeter. Uh, if he doesn't play at that level, I think they're going to get blown out in Game 4. Was last night in the score 86-83, 169 points. 234 was the total. I mean, it wasn't even close. Was that more about the Bucks' defense or the Nets' offense last night? I think it was a combination of both. 
Uh, I think, you know, they played well. They tightened it up. If you look at some of the shots, and by the way, I guess Chris Middleton, it would help if you're aware of the shot clock. But other than that, uh, I think it's a combination of both things here. Out West, uh, Jazz went again at home. I mean, the Clippers played with them. It was a close game. But if you if you back the Jazz, you covered the, you covered the total as well as getting a 2-0 lead going back to L.A., Anything surprise you about game two here in the Western semifinals? No, not at all. Clippers uh, down 21, no surprise. Lose on the road, no surprise. Jazz win in Salt Lake City. By the way, I hate this uh, pseudo-former Denver Nuggets type of coloring that they have. I love the old Salt Palace, what they used to have, the coloring in the floor scheme. Uh, Also, no surprise, Donovan Mitchell, pseudo-injury late in the game when he got fouled. I mean, this guy, I think there's snipers up in the rafter in Salt Lake City every time. I'm not sitting there saying, it just seems like every game, this guy's, I mean, getting hurt, but... Did a nice job. Ingles with some key shots down the stretch, and they were terrific from the three-point arc. That's the key for Utah. It would have been tough for the Clippers to win this game with the way the Jazz shot the three ball. Clippers prospects being able to win now four out of the next five to win this series. Not very strong. Now, here's the thing, though. With that being said, I still believe they've got a great chance to win two at home, and then if they can find a way when they come to Salt Lake City for Game 5 or Game 7, potentially, then they've got a chance. But they've got to be better defending the perimeter. And by the way, I love the fact that Reggie Jackson was showing emotion at the end when they weren't fouling. I think it was a maybe a seven-point game or five-point game with about seven seconds remaining. To me, you need that out of Paul George. You need that out of Kawhi Leonard. Uh, I, I know at least Reggie Jackson cares. What about the other guys? Yeah. We we speculated yesterday about a potential Jazz-Suns matchup in the Western Conference Finals and, and the perspective of betting the Suns at plus $2 to win the West, right? right. And we, we, we tried to anticipate the line on a Jazz-Suns-Western Conference Final. I said I didn't think it would be more than 140 or 150. My friend E from San Diego texted me. He says, I'll take the max on the Jazz minus 140. They're going to be a lot more heavy favorite than that. Yeah, I would tend to agree. Yeah. I think it's a really good price. You look at them right now, six games away. I Watching this Jazz team last night, well, I'll tell you what, I don't know if anyone's going to beat Brooklyn if they're completely healthy and the offense is flourishing, but I think Utah, with Rudy Gobert in the paint, Mike, one thing I saw with Gobert last night, winning his third defensive player of the year in four years, he's a difference maker in terms of the, uh, uh, just at the uh, rim. He can really alter shots. He forces you into difficult shots. I I think this team has exactly what they need. The perimeter is going to be key for them. If they can continue to shoot the ball well, they can't necessarily shoot at the clip they did last night. If they can be in a situation where they're just, say, about 75% as good as they were last night, they're going to win a lot of games. I I don't have high hopes for the Clippers, and I have that ticket, and we're going to discuss possible final final matchups, futures coming back uh, here shortly. But I have that ticket on... Clippers, 76ers, exact matchup yeah. in the final at 13-1. to 1. I think it's drifted up here now with both teams, uh, you know, them down 2-0 two, uh, two and 76ers having lost a game at home. The Clippers half-court, they, they do not defend the three. And, yeah. and Utah has more shooters than Dallas did. So I think this is just a, a, even a worse matchup for them. To your point, they go 20 for 39 from deep. They can shoot 39%. They're going to win a lot of games. This is the Nuts. I'm Mike Palm. He's Amal Shaw. In five minutes, we're going to have George Sedano of ESPN join us, talk about the NBA playoffs. I want to take a look right now at exact matchups in the NBA Finals and see if you can find any value here. Obviously, we've gotten at least two games in all four series, three games in the Bucks and the Nets. And the favorite right now, Amal, not surprisingly, the two favorites uh, going into this, Nets versus Jazz, you're getting a plus 130 on that. If you think it's Nets-Suns, plus 350. 76ers-Jazz, plus 750. 
Bucks Jazz plus eight twenty five right now. Yeah, I have no reason to believe, barring injury, that the new uh, the Brooklyn. God, how many times am I going to say mm-hmm. New Jersey? That's your fault, I by say the way. It more. I know I you say do. it. I got that from you. It's the old drug commercial. I learned it by watching you. All right. <laughs> um, you know, to me, this is going to be the one where I think the Nets get through. I still give the Utah Jazz a huge edge. I think they're better than the Phoenix Suns. I think mm. DeAndre Ayton gets negated by. Uh, what uh, Rudy Gobert can do defensively. And then can they continue to sizzle on the perimeter? I think Paul George has a great advantage. Uh, Excuse me, not Paul George, Chris Paul. Uh, He's got an opportunity there. Mike Conley still, you know, he's dealing with injury concerns. So that's something when you look at it from a Jazz perspective, you're going to need him back in the lineup to be able to have a chance. But I think when you look at it from Utah's perspective right now, if you can win one game at Staples Center, you can end this thing in five games, potentially have a little bit of rest. This is a great scenario for the Jazz right now, having a 2-0 lead. Yeah, I agree with you there. I I want to talk about the games tonight. And and maybe the wrong team's favorite in this game in the East. Let's talk about 76ers Hawks. This the series shifts to Atlanta now. Hawks won game 1, 76ers won game 2 at home. Now going to Atlanta. Amal, this team is amazing. They've won 18 in a row at home and 20 of 22. We see Philadelphia favored by a point in this game. I'm not sure if Atlanta shouldn't be a 2-point favorite. No, I tend to agree with you based on their performance of what we've seen down in Atlanta. But I, I still think Philadelphia is a more complete basketball team. I think they're good enough to go on the road and win. But I think some of the reaction, I'm not going to go based on the regular season. I, I understand how hot they played and how well they played. But to me, the, what they did in the postseason against the Knicks is they completely dismantled them. Uh, I, I still lean towards the 76ers in this particular Game 3 scenario. But here's the thing, if I'm betting this game, I, this is a perfect game to middle, Mike. I think this is going to be a tight, tough game. You take the Hawks in the pregame at uh, probably plus 108 on the money line. And then at some point in time when the Hawks get a lead in this game, which they will, you take the 76ers at a plus price and you lock yourself in a profit. I, I think this is one. Or you can even take the Hawks plus two, come back with the 76ers at a plus number at some point in time when they're catching points in this one. 224 and a half the total in this game. These games have tend to played over in Philadelphia. Of course, the Hawks built the big lead in game one. Game two flew over this total. Any interest in going over here in game three in Atlanta? The, the Hawks have proven to be efficient from beyond the arc so far. No. No interest in the total. No, I, I'm, I'm getting annoyed. You keep asking about these totals. I can't pick a winner on these totals, Mike. You trying to rub it in because I couldn't get one no, right? No, not really. <laughs> I know you were a total specialist I, in a different life. It, it, <laughs> Back then, I knew what the NBA was. I, I didn't. I didn't account for Giannis taking eight three pointers back then. The power forwards and the centers weren't out on the perimeter taking ill-advised shots back then. Suns versus Nuggets, game three in Denver tonight. Suns hold a two nothing series lead after having won both games at home. Great defensive second half against the Nuggets in game number one, and then they played well the whole game in game number two, running them out of the gym there in Phoenix. Are you surprised at all that Denver's favorite at home in game three of this series? Uh, I am not, simply because they're at home. Altitude could be a little little bit of a factor there playing in the Mile High City. Look, with Porter's back being a concern, I think Denver's in serious trouble, Mike. This series, to me, we're going a maximum of five games. I'm not sure which game Phoenix wins. Is it game three or game four? But they're going to win one in Denver, and they might potentially win two. All right, this time we're going to bring in George Sedano. Of course, you know him from ESPN, NBA analyst. You see him on Around the Horn. He's the host of uh, Sedano, LZ, and Cap on ESPN LA 710. Great overnight radio guy through the years. People in Miami, of course, know him from the coverage of the Heat. Welcome into the program, George. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Thanks for taking the time. I want to start out with this question out east. And we saw the Nets drop a game to Milwaukee last night. Compare, because you're so close and familiar with this, compare the big three in Brooklyn today with what you had with the big three in Miami when it was LeBron, of course, and Wade and Bosh. Uh, Look, I just think that 
they're constructed differently, right? Like, I think that, first of all, the arrows are different, as wild as it sounds. I mean, I know it's only been seven years since that team broke up. That's a long time ago in uh, NBA parlance. You know what I mean? Like, the, the, the game has certainly evolved since then. However, Miami at that time was revolutionary, particularly when they played Chris Bosh beginning in their second season at center and kind of changed the way people viewed small ball, right? And, and they started him there. So this evolution that we've seen, whether it's the Warriors and, and now the Nets, right, has only gotten uh, to this point because of what those Heat teams did. But, again, you look at this Nets team, they're very perimeter heavy. Um, I still feel like in a seven-game series against the right opponent, I think that they could be beat. I just don't know if that opponent exists in this particular playoffs. Could that Miami team have beaten this Nets team? I don't know. Um, they would have been an interesting matchup. They certainly don't have a matchup for a guy like Chris Bosh who could play inside, outside, and really do a lot of different damage from, from all over the floor. Obviously, we, we know that was peak LeBron, basically, from an athleticism standpoint. And let's not forget, his two best seasons from an efficiency standpoint were his two last seasons in Miami. While Dwayne Wade wasn't the player that he was in the first two seasons with, um, with, with that particular group, I mean, he was still pretty damn impressive. So, I, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know how they'd fare off against each other. I think just the eras, I, I have a hard time comparing the eras and, and even something as short amount of time as seven, eight years. But it, it would be a fascinating matchup for sure. But I, like, like I mentioned earlier, uh, not to go too long with you here, but I feel like if this Lakers team was healthy, like if we had 100% Anthony Davis and 100% LeBron, I feel like the Lakers would have a legit shot of beating this Nets team because, again, it's just about the matchup, particularly with the big men. You mentioned that. I want to go back to this uh, Nets series against Milwaukee. Can Mike Budenholzer actually go to Giannis and say, please stop shooting three-point shots? I mean, last night he was tremendous inside the arc. Outside the perimeters, I thought what kept uh, Brooklyn in this basketball game. He's 3-for-16 so far in this series, just 4-for-32 in the postseason He's electric inside, but how do you get your best player to stop taking bad shots? You have to have that kind of relationship and be willing to have that potential contentious conversation. You know, we were just talking about the Miami Heat a second ago, and Eric Spolstra has been able to do that historically. You know, wh whether it was with LeBron, Wade, and Bosch, or Jimmy Butler now, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And Steve Nash, I think, has shown in a very short amount of time that he has that kind of ability to connect with his players. Budenholzer, to me, is a guy that feels like he's caught in, a, in the middle a little bit. He has a system that he wants to play. He's evolved that system a little bit to give his superstar some leeway. But I think at some point you have to be able to focus on the micro situation as opposed to the macro. We all know in the macro we want Giannis to evolve. And we want Giannis to have not only a three-point game, but an in-between game. Because if you really look at Giannis outside of the paint area, there's, there's not much there offensively. His skills are fairly rudimentary in a lot of ways outside of kind of that restricted area. So 
Yeah, you got to have that tough conversation. And if not, you're going to be eliminated here probably in the next couple of days. Talking to George Sedano of ESPN, you can find him at Sedano on Twitter. Great follow. George, what do the Clippers need to change in order to get back into this series with Utah? Um, They had the big lead in game one and blew it last night, got blown out early in the game. Um, It just seems that they don't have an answer for Utah on the defensive end of the court. What are the prospects for the Clippers to come out of this series? Well, let's start with the defense, okay, and trying to defend Donovan Mitchell, particularly in the pick and roll. In game one, Donovan Mitchell was just targeting Luke Kennard. Now, they needed Luke Kennard for his offense, and I do think that, Ty, you saw less of Luke Kennard, I felt like, yesterday. But I was stunned at two things. One, that Terrence Mann, who had done a really nice job injecting life into their team, off the bench was not a part of the rotation yesterday outside of one minute. And the other part was that Rondo was a DNP coach's decision. And I'm not saying that Rondo could defend Donovan Mitchell, but Terrence Mann certainly can. Um, in regards to being able to stay in front of him because he's, he's young, he's spry, he's athletic, he can at least give you a puncher's chance. I'm also a bit surprised that we haven't seen them trap him, to be honest with you. They did that particularly to Luca in the, in the fourth quarters of that last series. And some nights, the other Dallas Mavericks beat them, and other nights, they didn't. And it was a bet that I thought was smart and calculated by Teron Lou. and I'm surprised we haven't seen that just yet. Now, maybe that's something we'll see more of as the series evolves, but you got to figure something out. you got to be able to put guys on, on Mitchell that – can bother him, whether that's Paul George or this Terrence Mann, et cetera. And also, you, you have to potentially adapt your big man rotation. I know he likes to play small with Marcus Morris at center, but you need some resistance somewhere on that pick and roll. So it's either going to have to be with Evita Zubats, maybe a little DeMarcus Cousins who we saw yesterday, but mostly Zubats who's a much better defender than DeMarcus at this stage. Or on the perimeter with guys that I mentioned, Paul George, Mann, et cetera, et cetera. On the offensive end, again, the Rondo thing was stunning to me because the thing the Clippers need the most is organization on offense. And Rondo brings that to the table at this stage of his career. He's not necessarily some sort of offensive juggernaut anymore, uh, nor is he really a defensive maven anymore. But he gets you into the right places. And they don't have that when he's not on the floor. The other part of the equation is this. Let's just be real here. Paul George was terrible in game one. He was better in game two, and I know he's got 27 points. But again, I felt like a lot of that came in situations where he was just getting to, he was getting to the free throw line, and it came on a little too late. With Kawhi, man, like, I know he's averaging about 21, 22, or whatever it is in this series. But I don't feel like he's really put his imprint on the series from an offensive perspective. He certainly had some great defensive plays yesterday. But I, I think he needs to be able to take over the game. I was waiting for that to happen yesterday with about six minutes to go. I'm like, all right, here he comes. It, it's going to happen now. And he made the right basketball plays as he was driving to the rim and kicking it out to open shooters. But sometimes, and, and he knows this as well as anyone because he's won championships before, you just have to put your head down and get fouled. And it's tough against this Utah team who's so good in the paint. And their defense is excellent in general. So 
it's going to be fascinating to see the type of wrinkles that they add both on offense and on defense. George, uh, to me, when you mentioned Paul George, I feel like he's been grandfathered into be cons- being considered a great player. I mean, I just don't see it consistently enough to look at this guy and the way he's paid as an elite-level player. Uh, do you believe he's got the fortitude and the ability to step up? He's just too inconsistent. You, what you just referenced in game number one played better in game number two, but even in the previous series against Dallas. Yeah, it's strange. Look, you know, we were starting this conversation talking about, you know, the Miami Heat back when LeBron was there. And if you would have told me back in 2012, 13, and 14, when Paul George was a young man in his early 20s, going up against LeBron, Wade, and Bosh, and being the best player on the floor for Indiana in that series, if you would have told me seven, eight years later, whatever it was, that this would be what we're seeing from Paul George in the postseason regularly, I would have told you you're nuts. Now, I don't know what has transpired. I don't, you know, it, it, it feels like since the injury, there's been some issues in the playoffs. I don't, you know, I, I don't want to directly correlate it to the injury, but he did go through a catastrophic injury. Um, he had some really good seasons in Oklahoma City. He finished third in the MVP voting one year. He was that good. But I think what Paul George needs is a guy on the floor with him that can help put him in the best positions to succeed. And when he was in Oklahoma City, he had Russell Westbrook. When he was in Indiana, he had a number of guys who maybe they're not, certainly they're not Russell Westbrook, but even a guy like George Hill back then, he was a, he's a traditional point guard, he gets you into, into your flow, he gets you running the plays the way you need to run them, he puts you in positions to succeed. And then George is able to catch the ball, full head of steam, perhaps towards the basket, you know, and then figure out what he needs to do. Do I need to create and continue? Do I need to stop and pop? Do I need to reset and find a way to come off a curl and maybe hit something from the outside, right? Like he's allowed to kind of think through what he needs to do as opposed to the position the Clippers have put him in, which is de facto point guard for the most part, which means he's got to not only think about what he's got to do for himself, but he's got to think about everybody else too. And I just don't know if he's cut out for that. So I think the biggest issue with Paul George is less about his talent, but more about the fact that you put so much on his plate and he may not be the type of guy that has enough bandwidth to be able to handle all that. And that's not a knock on him. Like that, that would be a tough transition for anyone to do at this stage of their career when they're used to playing a certain way and being asked to do something else. But if you want to be on a championship team, sacrifice matters. But again, a lot of this is, can you put the guy in the right positions to succeed? And I I just don't know if he's cut out for the particular role that this franchise has set out for him. I think he's unbelievably talented, uh, but I think that that stuff maybe gets in his head um, more than anything else. He's overthinking the situation because he's got to think about getting guys involved and getting himself involved. George Sedano, you catch him on ESPN or on Sedano, LZ, and Cap, ESPN, LA, 710. Thanks for the time this morning, George. Great stuff. You got it, guys. Take care. Have a good one. Thank you. All right, Amal, the final four is set in the NHL. I want to get... It's getting excited. I thought it was college hoops. Okay. I want to get Amal's reaction to the prices on these two series. I was shocked at one of them. That's up next on The Nuts.
As someone who lives for politics, when a major scandal unfolds, it was shocking. I have to know, what were they thinking? Backroom deals. Huge amounts of money. CIA secrets. Sets off a firestorm in Washington. Affairs. No way this guy's got a mistress. Corruption. I knew I was a dead man. Warning, it's even messier than you thought. United States of Scandal with Jake Tapper, Sunday at 9 on CNN. Hi, I'm Antonia Blythe, and this is 20 Questions on Deadline. Joining me today is Alison Bree. Welcome, Alison. We got second place in my seventh grade lip sync contest for one of the songs on that album. The one that was like, you've already won me over. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. It's a very all slow. The, all the options. In spite of me. Like, what did we do? It's so slow. <laughs> Don't forget to listen to 20 Questions on Deadline. Thank you again, Alison. Thank you. Have you heard about the social media platform for kids? It's called Zigazoo. It's a great place where kids like me can come together to make fun videos. Zigazoo is moderated by real, live people who review content before it's posted on the feed. I especially love the dance challenges. So much fun. Oh, and there's no comments or messaging, so you don't get any of that negativity that's all over other social networks. Oh, my friends love it. I love that it's KidSafe COPPA certified. Uh, I don't know what that means. It means it has built-in privacy protections for your online data. Eh, that's great, but I wouldn't be doing Zigazoo if it wasn't fun. She would not be doing it if I didn't think her data was safe. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network. For kids! <laughs> Download the Zigazoo app today. Okay, quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. Obvious. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform with one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. And you're improving efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to NetSuite.com stereo right now. NetSuite.com stereo. NetSuite.com stereo. Welcome back into the Nuts. I'm Mike Palm. He's Amal Shaw. Normally you'd hear us talk baseball at this point in the show. We're going to switch it up. We're going to talk hockey. The final four is set. The last series to conclude, VGK against Colorado, ended last night at T-Mobile. Knights come away with an impressive 6-3 victory. Amal, I don't know about you, but I thought the game was over a minute 10 into the game when Grubauer gave up that soft goal to tie at 1-1. I thought his head was never going to be in it the rest of the way. And that absolutely shook the confidence of the Colorado Avalanche. You know, I didn't bet the game before it started mm-hmm. because I have VGK at 5-1 to one to win the Cup. And I thought this was a critical game in terms of that bet. But when he gave up that goal, I said, this game is over. I, I have never seen a worse goal yielded in the NHL playoffs ever. 
I mean, Grubauer didn't even know where the puck was. To give up that much of a softy when you've got Andre Fleury on the other end, major issue there, and we saw it. Vegas goes on to win this one 6-3 comfortably. I thought it was a great in-play bet. I know you guys got unfortunately crushed on this game last night. We did. We didn't We didn't take a Colorado bet all day, and we stayed on the number, uh, 130, 133. Um, you know, it's interesting because we book in two markets. We're also open in Colorado, yeah. too, right? So it, it's an interesting philosophical debate about do you post separate lines and separate markets, or do you, you consider all of the money in both spots coming in and when you're making the line? But um, – I would have liked to take in some Colorado money yesterday. You know, you, you know, I lean to this game. I thought the body language of the Avalanche after game number five, when they lost in the when the overtime shot by Stone, they looked like they had lost the series at that point. NBC focused on each of the players just circling around, coming off the ice. It was just devastating. So Vegas never trailed again after that point when Grubauer gave up that goal and then this poured it on. Of course, obviously in the third period, I bet Vegas uh, after that goal back. To the original line, you know, I bet them minus 130. And then I bet them minus a goal and a half going into the third period because I didn't think they were going to concede. And you knew you'd get the empty net to shoot at at a little bit of a plus price there, uh, minus a goal and a half. And then it wasn't available to get a minus two and a half because you knew they were just going to leave Gruber out the rest of the game. Yeah, I just thought it was really mentally it was debilitating for Colorado. When you see that goal, you look up at the replay board and you see your goaltender looking to the right and the puck is coming from, you know, basically about a 45 degree angle. Mitch and, uh, Moss and Matt Humans asked me if Vegas won last night, what would the price of the series be when I was on Follow the Money yesterday morning? You and I talked about it yesterday. I really thought this would be somewhere between 280 and $3, and I was looking to maybe somewhere I could get back 250 on Montreal to make a bet on them. I can't believe the range here. I've seen this series anywhere from 370 to 450 them all. Well, I mean, listen, I, I said it before and I'll say it again. The odds makers sit there and blindly list certain teams – you know, Montreal's played 11 games in the postseason. You know how many goals they've given up? Seven. <laughs> Might as well be. Uh, they've given yeah, up 23 yeah, goals yeah. so far. I mean, a tremendous job with Carey Price. They're resting. Now, they haven't played since June 7th. Could be a little bit of a concern when this thing gets started on Monday. But overall, uh, I love the Canadians at this price. I think it's way too high of a price on them. Remember, this is a team that won game one against Toronto. Down three games to one. They come from behind and win. I just don't think you're going to have that soft type of goaltending you saw out of Colorado. Colorado, to me, when they got blown out in game number three and then they gave away game number four, the series was over right there. Yeah, I, you're going to see this in the playbook. I, I felt obligated to take the Canadians. I, I did the same North thing. North of three. You have, they haven't trailed in seven hours. Yeah, They have those four defensemen. They make it very difficult. I know that Vegas has home ice. Montreal has won here before on different teams. It's not the same year. And they haven't met these teams. That's the other interesting thing. In one division, you had a team that met on one side of the bracket, I should say, because of the way they see them. You had two teams that met in the Eastern Conference Finals last year in Tampa Bay and New York. Seems somewhat familiar with each other. On this side, teams on opposite. Western Conference, Eastern Conference, they play each other twice a year, and they didn't play anybody outside of their division this year. So this is there's some unfamiliarity here, obviously, between the Canadians and the Golden Knights and and the fact that uh, because of the, the situation with the pandemic, these teams have faced each other very few times over the last three years. Yeah, I think, uh, I believe Tampa's going to beat the Islanders, but I think Tampa's winning the Cup again. I think they're going back-to-back. -back. They are elevating and playing at such a level right now. To me, Vasilevsky, look, Marc-Andre Fleury, I, I didn't think, even though he gave up three goals yesterday and one, it looked like he might have been screened by Martinez. I didn't think he was particularly strong. Now, there were some situations he did a great job in, but I, I didn't think these were like great goals we saw Colorado scoring. In current form, rank them one to four. Varlamov, um, Vasilevsky, Price, Fleury. 
I'll tell you right now, Flurry would be four, Price, uh, Barlamov, three, uh, Price, yeah. two, and Vasilevsky, one. I would flip-flop three and four, but I, I agree with you with the top two. Yeah, I, I think when you look at it right now, the way Vasilevsky's playing, look, not only do they have the best goaltender going at this point, they've got the best team from a talent standpoint. They've got a coach that's been there. This is a great opportunity to, for this Lightning team to go back to back. Vasilevsky's played 33 periods in the playoffs. He's only given up multiple goals in two of them. Wow, think that's about an amazing that. stat. Very, very, very solid. All right, when we come back, we're going to go where Amal's going all in. Of course, we know he's on Nadal in France, and we've got World Cup coming, or uh, the Euros coming up, and we'll take a look at the Palm Reader playbook. That's next on The Nuts. season is in full swing, so it's the perfect time to work on cashing tickets every day. Our VEASAN experts give you all the tools to make the most of every bet, including live odds and analysis for every game on VEASAN.com slash MLB and our daily members-only best bet emails from our leader, Bill 80. Now is the time to start your free trial and take advantage of all the betting opportunities this baseball season. VEASAN.com slash subscribe. Amal, we know you're on Nadal today. You bet him in this match. Yeah. We know you you staked your reputation on Nadal winning the French Open prior to the yeah, start. Yeah, it's really we, going out on a limb. Well, I mean, you you talked about it at length. This was this was a key play for you. Yeah. Minus one forty. Uh, we're live here. He's against the Joker in the semifinals. Up a set, uh, down a break in the second. Well, he's not down a break. He's facing a double break. Point. Oh, he's now, serving. Okay, yeah, right. he's serving. Mm-hmm. So uh, we'll see. It's fifteen forty right now on serve in the second set. But I told you the second set is most important for Djokovic. He's got to win this set to have a chance. But I will tell you, you'll get a revved up Rafa in the third if he loses this set. It's also very important for beating the books over thirty eight and a half games play. He's got to get the second set here with uh, with Djokovic. Well, not only does he have to get the set, but the problem is though the math goes to now you go to eighteen games. Nadal would serve first to start the third set, assuming Joker gets a break here and holds the rest of the way. You're looking at then you're going to need 20 games. It's easier. You'd actually need 21. 21. You actually need a scenario where you go to a third set, go to a breaker in one of the sets. All right, let's see where you're going this weekend with your plays. I'm all in. Let's start with the Major League Baseball tonight. The best pitcher in the world right now, Jacob DeGrom, on the bump, minus 162 against the Padres, was dominant at Petco last week. Now at City Field against Blake Snell. I like the Mets here at minus 162. Parlayed them with uh, Max Scherzer, to me, was still one of the best three pitchers in baseball. Minus 175, the parlay returns plus 154 uh, in this matchup for the Nats as they take on the Giants. And Anthony, your boy, Di Sclafani in this one. I like the Nats in this one. Uh, okay, and then you have a common play that I'm going to have here as well, the, the Montreal Canadiens against VGK for the series. Yeah, Canadians at 4-1 to one to win the series. Yielded 23 goals in 11 games. They've played two less games than the uh, Vegas Golden Knights. They've been off since June 7th. Love their approach. Their thing is they're tactically going defense first. They've got a great opportunity. I don't think you're going to get the open ice opportunity we saw that the Vegas Golden Knights got against the Colorado Avalanche. And I can tell you one thing. If Carey Price could just actually show up and know where the puck is, I think Colorado will score fewer goals. And then the French Open women's finals, you've been on her uh, the last two matches. I'm surprised that Krejcikova is favored in the final. As am I. Anastasia Pavlichenkova has won 12 career titles. Krejcikova just won her second career title this year. Not necessarily a player that's been around and had a lot of success on the tour. Pavlichenkova with an opportunity to become the first Russian uh, since um, uh, uh, Svetlana Kuznetsova to win the French Open. 
uh, to win a title here. So we'll see if she can get it done. Uh, great opportunity. Love the plus 105 price. I heard her as a favorite at around 130, 140. I asked you yesterday as we yeah. were leaving the studio, what would the price be? You said around 130, 135. So. Yeah, I think, I think it's a great play on Pavlichenkova. More okay. power, a little bit more consistent. From a betting pers- philosophy perspective, you, you plan to lay 135, 140. You see her come back at 105. Do you bet more? I, I, I put a heavy bet down on her. This is a great bet. Uh, to me, she's the better player. This is a, gr- a great surface for her. She'll be just fine. All right, let's take a look at the Palm Reader playbook for the weekend. We're going to start with the, the Euros, and we're going to discuss that uh, when I get done here. Italy-Turkey, the isolated first game here. I don't think Italy's going to concede here. If you have the opportunity bet Italy to win uh, to nil in this spot, I laid 150 under 2.5. I actually like the Italy to win to nil better. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, I think this line should have been 2. Yeah, when and it's you, 1. When, <laughs> whenever you, well, no, to me, whenever you get Italy involved in mm-hmm. a match, Two and a half, unless you're playing France mm-hmm. or somebody, it's too high of a number. You could search for it. You could find it, too, and, yeah. and, and, and probably, probably around even. No, I don't even want to. I'm saying yeah. the two and a half is a great yeah. take number. I, I also bet the Canadians for the series plus 360. I just I don't, I don't think that's the right price. Uh, last time Giolito and Scooball met up, which was last Saturday at Cellular 1, Scooball outdueled him, and the Tigers won 4-3. to three. Scooball did only go five innings, but struck out 11. Uh, 11 out of the 15 outs he recorded. Now they play at Comerica in Detroit. I'm going to go under here again, play the first five, under four at even money. You know, our friend Josh Towers, who was on the show yesterday, tweeted out, it's DeGrom at home against Snell on the road tonight. He tweeted out, is DeGrom going to be $5 tomorrow? No, he wasn't. He was around, what What did you lay, 160? 162. I took him on the run line here, just because Snell's been so awful on the road in his starts. And DeGrom uh, pitched six scoreless against San Diego at Petco last Saturday. And then I'm going to fade Arizona, even though they're going home. What, what is it, 24 out of 25? I mean, it, the, the losing streaks are incredible. I'll take Shohei Otani and the Angels. I don't like that Angels bullpen, so I'm going to isolate Otani in the first five here and lay $1.35 a mall. I think it's a good bet. Uh, going against the Arizona Diamondbacks, continue to fade this team. DeGrom, I like your play on the run line. It was funny. I was contemplating that. And I initially said, well, I'm concerned about the Mets offense. But then I realized you only got to score two runs to cover the run line with DeGrom on the mound. All right. The Euro Cup is upon us. It starts today. Yep. Um, all, I was trying to get Nigel Seeley out here. We have all these travel, restrict, uh, travel restrictions to kind of do some seminars and, and be at, at Stadium Swim for this event. Uh, we just met a group of fans from uh, Kentucky and Ohio that are here to watch the Euros. They got a cabana at Stadium Swim today. Uh Overall, who do you like to win the Euros? And then you can break down the different teams. Well, you know, obviously France is going to be the favorite. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, defending World Cup champions, I think they're very dangerous at 460. Talent-wise, they're so good. I mean, you just look at this team, it's unbelievable. England is young. That's my area of concern with them. They don't have necessarily the experience. Belgium, uh, De Bruyne is probably going to miss the first game. Remember, he had that facial yes. fracture in the uh, Champions League final against Chelsea. So a little bit of a concern from a Belgian perspective, but it's still a very talented team. They've got a lot they can do there. Um, so I think that's a team that's dangerous. Italy, I, I look at it eight to one because of how well they defend. They always play well in tournaments, whether it's the World Cup, European Cup. This team is dangerous. Portugal defending European Cup champions, they're better defensively than they've been in the past. I looked at Portugal here at eight to yeah, one. Yeah, I think so too. <laughs> I think this team now, Ronaldo, what's he, 36, 37 years old? Mm-hmm. By the way, he's got a chance to become the all time leading scorer in international uh, if he scores uh, six goals in this tournament. But to me, they're they're dangerous at eight to one because of their defense. This is a team that finally, once in a while, is going to have somebody that has the ability to defend. Defending champions as well this tournament in 2016. Now it's five years removed instead of the normal four, but I think that helps them a lot. Uh, Germany nine to one. Germans are always ter- uh, tough in any tournament. They're dangerous, but not quite the same talent that we've seen in years past. We'll see what they're able to do. Uh, Spain, you know, a little bit of turmoil right now with the COVID situation within that program. Going to stay with stay away from them. 
The Dutch no longer a clockwork orange. They, they're just not quite as good. Where's Patrick Cliver when you need him? Uh, I, I'm just not sure if they can get it done. I think it was in the uh, 92 Euro Cup. They got to the finals, ended up losing. I think that was the one where Cliver had four or five goals in the semis. Denmark 25 to one. No chance for the Danes here and the Croatians. Thank you for participating. <laughs> uh, are you going to make a play here, or are you going to watch and bet individual matches? Uh, to me, I'm going to uh, make a play on three teams. I'm going to take France, I'm going to take Italy, and I'm going to take Portugal. I already took the Italians because they go today. Mm -hmm. uh, Portugal, I'm going to make a play on here, and I like France a lot. I still think they're so dangerous. You look at the talent. I don't know if there's anybody in this tournament that's going to uh, – we already know he's an, uh, a global player, but I think Mbappe's got an opportunity to build upon what he did at the uh, World Cup. Interesting tournament because when you see a lot of these teams play, you're going to see twos as totals, right? I mean, there's such great defensive teams here Yeah. Uh, when, when you're looking at the top six or seven in this. All right, when we come back, we're going to play eight burning questions. That's where I ask them all eight topical questions about a certain sport. We're going to shift to the NFL here to close out the week and take a look at who is going to win each of the divisions. That's next on The Nuts. CNN Underscore's Guide to Sleep has tons of recommendations for products that can help you get the best night's sleep ever. All right, let's face it. Most of us have had trouble falling or staying asleep at some point. And there are a lot of products and hacks claiming to be the solution to our sleepless nights. That's why the CNN Underscore team spend hundreds of hours testing products to find the ones that can make a huge difference in the quality of your slumber. Visit Underscore.com now for our ultimate guide to getting better sleep. Billy Eilish and Phineas O'Connell, they're with us today on Crew Call. I'm your host, Anthony D'Alessandro. Billy's vocals, it was automatic art. You know, I had to like choose a more challenging route than just like da 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 da. You know what I'm saying? Like it could have been like easier. And a lot of people have asked me, like, how did you choose to have it be so soft and like so simple? And what else was it gonna like? That's what the song wanted. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Crew Call podcast on Deadline. Have you heard about the social media platform for kids? It's called Zigazoo. It's a great place where kids like me can come together to make fun videos. Zigazoo is moderated by real live people who review content before it's posted on the feed. Oh, <laughs> I especially love the dance challenges. So much fun. Oh, and there's no comments or messaging, so you don't get any of that negativity that's all over other social networks. All oh, my friends love it. I love that it's kids-safe COPPA certified. Uh, I don't know what that means. It means it has built-in privacy protections for your online data. Uh, that's great, but I wouldn't be doing Zigazoo if it wasn't fun. She would not be doing it if I didn't think her data was safe. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network. For kids! <laughs> Download the Zigazoo app today. Okay, quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. Obvious. 
But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform with one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. And you're improving efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to NetSuite.com stereo right now. NetSuite.com stereo. NetSuite.com stereo. All right, Amal, it's that time on the Nuts. We're going to play eight burning questions. This time we're going to focus on the NFL, and I want you to handicap the winner of each division, where you're putting your money eight different times. Let's start out in the AFC with the East Division, where we have the darlings of many, the Bills. We've heard guests on our show talk about them. 13 wins, 13, 14 wins this year. They're going to dominate this division. Miami, obviously, they lose. Uh, uh, Fitzpatrick, who goes to the nation's capital. They're going with Tua. Can the Patriots bounce back? They had all those players that opted out last year. And then, of course, the Jets what? are the Jets, and they get the BYU quarterback. Bills a 155 favorite in the division. Yeah, I don't even know why you're talking this long about this division. It's the Bills all day. This is a great bet at minus 155. What would you lay here? Uh, 250. Okay. This is a team that is far superior to everyone else in the division. Miami regresses based on schedule. Last year, Great job, Brian Flores, terrific young coach, but an aberration. Jets are who they are. They could win five games maybe if things break properly, six games. Buffalo, to me, is a not only the best team in the AFC East, but one of the best teams in the AFC. Is there a chance here that Josh Allen regresses? He made such a leap forward last year. One of the greatest increases of completion percentage we've ever seen on a quarterback one year to the next. Well, Are you at all worried about it? You're going to explain it's the receiver? Yeah, I'm going to tell you a couple things. I'm okay. not worried about completion percentage because you can have Derek Carr over Patrick Mahomes and Tom Brady if you want. Are you taking him? I'm not. Okay. The completion percentage, a lot of it is on the scheme. What type of offense you're running? Are you throwing short dinks and dunks? And by the way, Stephon Diggs, I think this guy, if you threw a marble at him 60 yards down the field, he would catch it. This guy's unbelievable. The difference he's made. And look at Kirk Cousins and the regression. Now, Jefferson and Thielen did a great job, but you still saw Minnesota have a drop-off without Diggs there. When Diggs went from Minnesota to Buffalo, do you think he thought he was getting an upgrade at quarterback? Well, anybody's no great over a guy from Michigan State. All right, let's move on to the AFC North, a much more interesting division from yeah, a betting perspective, right? You have the Ravens, the up-and-coming Browns, Big Ben and the aging Steelers, and then the Bengals, who hope to have Burrow for a whole year, although they didn't do much to help him in the draft. The uh, to me, uh, I look at this division right now, and we've this seen is we've of, seen them. And, and I hate to interrupt you, but we've seen now the Browns continue to take more action here. The Ravens were better than even money to win this division. Now almost the dual favorites: the Ravens plus one twenty-five, Browns plus one thirty, Steelers plus twenty-five, and the Bengals off the charts. Yeah, the Bengals at twenty-two ninety. <laughs> I don't think they're going to be able to pull a Washington football team here because I think the rest of this division is so competitive. Uh, I like the Browns here, Mike. I'm not sure if the Ravens are necessarily going to get it done during the regular season. Need to see Lamar Jackson take a step forward in terms of his passing prowess. If he can do that, then I think there's a great chance for this Ravens team to be successful. But the Browns, to me, right now, the, what they're doing, that running game, Baker Mayfield was really confident the last eight weeks of the season, arguably one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, like the Browns here. All right, let's move on to the AFC South. 
Obviously, the big news, Julio Jones goes to the Titans. Uh, Phillip Rivers retires. Carson Wentz is reunited with Frank Reich with the Colts. The Jaguars, it's the Urban Meyer era, begins with Trevor Lawrence. And the Texans, we don't know who's going to be playing quarterback for them. Colts, the favorite at minus 105. Titans now $1.25. They've taken money since acquiring Julio Jones. Urban's plus 855 in his first year, and I think that's short. And the it Texans, is short. I agree. And you. the Texans are that. fifty to one. That's way too short. Well, yeah. the, yeah, t- Texans are fifty to one. Never seen a division price like this before. But in terms <laughs> of the Jags, this is the Urban Meyer effect, right? The, this team should be about twelve or fourteen to one to win this division. Uh, would they win one game last year? Yes. I mean, to me, all of a sudden they're going to yes. be a division champion. I'm going to give a very slight edge, very slight edge to the Tennessee Titans here, and I hate that because it makes me hypocritical. Yeah, you know, it makes me hypocritical in terms of how much I criticize them. But he's got that eighteen wheeler. And that, that diesel is going to be going downhill, especially with Julio Jones and A.J. Brown on the perimeter. Love what this team could do through the air now with the talent that they have. Here's the problem with the Colts. Can Carson Wentz stay healthy? The season is not 12 games. It's not 11 games. It's not 10. It's 16. Or now it's 17, actually. Let me correct myself. Uh, 17 games. I don't think he's going to necessarily play an entire season. Take the quarterbacks out. Who has the better overall team? Come on. What do you mean take the quarterbacks well, out? I, I just think the Colts are really Look what Phillip Rivers did with that team. I mean, they should have they should have won that game in Buffalo. If Frank Reich wasn't chasing two points are, the whole game, are we taking the coaching staff out? Because I'll tell you right no. now, Mike Vrabel is far better than Frank Reich. Everybody thinks Frank Reich's this genius. Well, the reality of it, if he was a genius, he would have known to kick the field goal in Buffalo. Valid point. That's a valid point. I think Vrabel's excellent. He's unbelievable. I, I think his staff's great. I like I've, Vrabel because he'll fight some of his I, guys. I, I've said this though. I'm very concerned with how Tannehill will perform with Arthur Smith going to Atlanta. I think that relation. Arthur Smith was the Tannehill whisper. This yeah. guy was. You're not going to argue with me that this guy was straight garbage in Miami. I mean, that's what you said. Garbage. He is straight garbage. garbage. What, do you, what is he? I, There's 18 quarterbacks better than him. You yeah, say. Yeah. Here's the thing. You got some of them are still in college. He, he has the best <laughs> running back. He, he has the best running back in the NFL. Derrick Henry is the best running back in the NFL. Well, you don't believe me? I didn't say anything. You know, I'm, I'm, sure I'm waiting for you to make a second point. There is no second point. He's the okay. best running back. Now yeah. you've got a duo that has to be in the top five receivers in the NFL. Calvin Ridley just took a... Calvin Ridley, this trade just impacted him financially when he goes into free agency. All right, Amal's on the Tennessee Titans and his love affair with Ryan Tannehill. (laughs) AFC West, is there a question that the Chiefs are going to win here? They're minus 270. Chargers plus 525. The Broncos plus 725. Still hoping to get Aaron Rodgers. The Raiders, who finished second in the division last year, are plus twelve fifty, and that's all you need to know about Carr. I, I don't know. I mean, they've got the greatness of Derek Carr. I don't understand this, Matt Humans. Where are you? Tell me about the greatness of Derek Carr. <laughs> you lay two seventy with the Chiefs, or you pass on the division? It's too high of a price because if Mahomes goes down, then you're in trouble. But I think the Chiefs bounce back. Offensive line should be much, much better. I thought the Chargers had a great draft. I think they, I think they pick up three wins just by not having Anthony Lynn uh, managing games in the fourth quarter. Listen, uh, I, I agree with you on Lynn, but I think your disdain for uh, Lynn supersedes uh, how good the Chargers really are. Okay. Uh, I think they're very good. I think you put them, put, let's, let's put the Chargers in a couple other divisions. Would the Chargers win the AFC East? Or Buffalo's better. No, Buffalo's better. Would they win the... Um, Don't say the North. No, I'm not saying the North. I'm saying the NFC North. Yes. NFC North with Green Bay? Yes. With Aaron Rodgers? Is he playing? Well, if he's if he's not, then they we win. We know they'd win the NFC East. AFC South, they would win. AFC South. Okay. Yeah. Valid. All right. Let's move on to the NFC, and we'll start with the least. Uh, Cowboys are your favorite. Your Dallas Cowboys at plus 130 right now. I think you're leaning towards the Washington football team in a repeat here at plus 225. The New York football giants plus 425. 
And the Eagles with Jalen Hurts plus 550. Yeah, I like Washington here. Ryan Fitzpatrick comes in. You can bring over Curtis Samuel from the Carolina Panthers. Now you're going to have him and Terry McLaurin there. I think Fitzpatrick, as long as he can avoid those four interception games, he's going to have a great chance. This defense is only going to get better. Chase Young should uh, only improve upon his rookie of the year, defensive rookie of the year. I think this team is dangerous. They need to get better in the linebacking core. Uh, they've done that. I think this team is going to be very solid. Is Ron Rivera the best coach in this division? Well, that's not really saying much, is it? Well, it's, it's, uh, yeah, I would say yes. I mean, who's the? I can't even think of who the Joe Judge. Joe Judge. And who's with the Eagles right now? Some new guy. I can't even remember. Yeah, it's exactly. <laughs> and Mike McCarthy. <laughs> Well, I mean, Mike McCarthy's obviously four. Uh, probably going to run the fake punt again. Oh, well, Mike McCarthy's probably fifth in the division of head coaches. <laughs> he won the division for them running a fake punt. For 12 I know, it's unbelievable. Thanksgiving. The uh, North obviously predicated on the fact that Rodgers is still there. I think if he is, that's a, that's a good price on the Packers at plus 105. The Vikings, your second choice, plus 175. Bears a little bit interesting at plus 420, and the, the Lions, 22 to 1. Uh, Lions, let's re- remove them okay. from the equation. Vikings, let's remove them. Packers are the play here 100% as we get closer to the season because if you believe Rodgers is going to be there, you take them. Plus, Price is a great move on the Packers here, Mike. Uh, I like the Bears. I think with Fields, I saw uh, Darnell Mooney talking about there's already been an improvement in the deep ball. I know it's only right now you just have OTAs, but to me, if this team can just get anything out of the quarterback position, it becomes Montgomery becomes a better running back. This team becomes much more dangerous. Their defense is still very solid. I still think if he's there, they can be the number one seed again. And the, and if, the playoffs if, will go through. Like the, Packers, the Packers, I'm talking about. Oh, if, if Rodgers, if Rodgers is there? still there, because they play in the weaker weaker division well, of, you, of, the, of the Rams and the Buccaneers. I mean, you're not, you're not breaking news with that theory. Okay, let's go to the NFC South. Your reigning Super Bowl champion and has the GOAT, and they have... Tom Brady, uh, let's move on. 205. You laying 205? Uh, I am, because we're not sure what the Saints quarterback situation is. The Falcons just got worse. And the Panthers still a little bit of ways from being very competitive. Are you afraid the Saints are wait and see right now? Uh, wait and see. Okay. Because I still think Peyton's the best play caller in the NFL. All right, then we already know you've anointed the Rams, the NFC West champs, and you get a nice price on them here. Plus 190. 49ers now the co-choice at plus 190. Seahawks 320. Cardinals 530. Probably the most balanced of the four of the eight divisions. With oh, four without teams. question. Yep. Most competitive division. Cardinals are dangerous. If you like a long shot, Cardinals are a team you could potentially take a uh, risk with. But how about this price on the Rams and 49ers? Love the Rams at plus 190. Yeah, I, I agree with you here. I think the Rams are the play. I think the Rams should be closer to like plus 140, plus 150. I was going to say 150, think, yep. Yeah, I think this is a pretty good value here. I don't know. I mean, I think we're still going to see Garoppolo for the 49ers, right? I mean, we're not... Oh, we're I'm not, smiling from ear to ear. We're not ready for Trey Lance. Does, I mean, that, mean, does that mean we're going to see Emmanuel Sanders open and, and overthrow? <laughs> and the happy feet in the pocket. Yeah. Um, does Trevor Lawrence start game one? I do believe he does. But you know what? I like Minshew as a backup. If he's willing to take that role, they become dangerous. And I like the fact that Urban's going to concentrate on the running game. They get ETN. Robinson was terrific as a rookie. I'm interested to see if the Bears go right to fields. Well, they said that uh, the Red Rifle is going to be the yeah. starter in week one. I think that's a mistake. I think you make this an open competition. Allow this team to utilize Fields' speed and mobility along with his ability to throw the deep ball. Can you imagine if Fields starts throwing some deep balls? This team, Allen Robinson hasn't had a quarterback since he played in junior high. Do you, do you believe the Ra- right now the Rams are a better team than the Buccaneers? I do. You do? Yes. All right. You, you forget how great they were. Remember, they have the handicap of Jared Goff. I do, but... Tampa Bay was awful impressive as well. They might be better this year. Their ability to get pressure rushing four is going to be the key to that team. I don't think yeah. there's going to be regression with Brady. Yeah, but McVay won't make the same mistakes that Reed and LaFleur made. Great segment, Amal. Thanks for staying tuned. Up next on VSIN, betting across America. 
I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was so cool. I think you're so talented. Social media is only positive with Zigazoo, the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. In Zigazoo, all community members are verified kids just like yours. And all content is fully human moderated. Try out Zigazoo this spring break. Download the Zigazoo app today. As someone who lives for politics, when a major scandal unfolds... It was shocking. I have to know... What were they thinking? Backroom deals. Huge amounts of money. CIA secrets. Sets off a firestorm in Washington. Affairs. No way this guy's got a mistress. Corruption. I knew I was a dead man. Warning, it's even messier than you thought. United States of Scandal with Jake Tapper, Sunday at 9 on CNN. Welcome to the Scene to Scene podcast. I am your host, Valerie Complex. Today, I am chatting with Ji Young Yu. Ji Young stars as co-lead in the six-part limited series, Expats. I think I learn a little bit with every character that I play. I think usually I play a character and it causes enough introspection that I learn something about myself. I honestly can't gush enough about Freaky Tales. I'm so excited to share it with more people. If you like what you hear, be sure to review, like, and subscribe to the Scene to Scene podcast. Infinity Presents, a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infinity QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer.